Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. When it comes to space travel, there's no such thing as waste. Everything has to be used as much as possible. And when I say everything, I literally mean everything. Down to human blood, sweat and tears, and even your precious potato chips. There's ways to turn that, apparently, into building materials. Plus, we find ways to use waste byproducts here on Earth, like waste steel and waste water, to make concrete even stronger as part of a zero-waste economy. Now, one of the biggest challenges with space travel is that you have to take everything that you need with you. Unless, of course, you figure out a way to make it in situ, out of materials that you have on hand. In a long space voyage, well, you're just travelling in your spaceship or craft, so it's maybe not a big an issue. But if you're to land on a planet or a moon, say Mars or our moon, well, you probably want to build a structure. The thing is, you can't just get some wood or concrete or bricks delivered to you immediately. Actually, maybe you can. That's certainly a strategy is to get another rocket to drop off all the materials that you need to build your base there right to you. There are other methods which, of course, involve digging into naturally occurring empty or cooled lava tubes, which could be the foundation of a construction, rather than having to build one entirely from scratch. But another strain of thought goes that, well, if you don't want to bring stuff with you, what can you make using the material that's available? Now, you could use Martian or Moon regolith, the dust, soil, if you want to think about it that way, that is on the surface of these two celestial bodies. And they have specific properties. Martian soil is, of course, different to Moon regolith, but they are also different to what we find here on Earth. So, they would give different material properties. You can't just take the dirt, mix it up and say, oh, I can make a clay brick like I would exactly the same way here on Earth. But it also gives us some opportunities because, well, maybe there's a way to make improved materials using the same technique. And that's what researchers from the University of Manchester have been experimenting with. Elad Roberts and Nigel Scruton have published a couple of papers on this exact topic. Now, the first one that they published way back in 2021 was about a type of new building material that could be made on Mars. Well, except the source materials they used for developing this was, of course, regolith from the Martian surface, and astronaut blood and urine. Now, this is seems terribly strange, but if you want to think about it another way, these are two materials that actually astronauts have access and availability to. Urine is, of course, a byproduct. And blood is, well, something that your body produces, so maybe you don't want to use a lot of it, otherwise there's a big issue. But it is still an occurring fluid that you have on hand, for sure. No matter what you do, you're probably going to have those two fluids available in some quantity. Okay, but that seems crazy. Why would you need blood? Well, there's actually a pretty good reason for trying to use blood. Is that actually in blood plasma, human serum albumin, you actually have a common protein. That's this human serum albumin that could act actually as a binding agent for that Martian or moon regolith. That would turn that dust material into something that's concrete-like. And if you just mix in that blood plasma in the right quantities, you can actually create something that is as strong as regular concrete, around 25 megapixels in strength. That's what the scientists discovered in their early research. But they thought that, well, blood is useful as a binder, but probably not something we have a lot of. So what if we incorporate other agents? That's where the urine comes in, specifically urea, because when you build that in, you can get it through urine, sweat, and tears, blood, sweat, and tears, and literally, in this case, is constructing 
the Martian base in the example that they're imagining. But if you add that urea into the concrete mix, you can actually increase the compressive strength around 300%. That's like making it as good or better than the best performing materials of concrete, greater than a compressive strength of the 40 megapascals. This is massive improvement on actual construction strength. Putting these numbers together, they estimate that with a crew of six astronauts and a typical Martian mission of around two years in length, well, you could make around 500 kg of high-strength astrocrete material just from blood and urea byproducts. Now, that would be even better if you had an additional crew member, but by having enough of these astronauts present, you could make enough binding agent and of this amazing astrocrete to form a reasonable structure. Now, it seems crazy, but animal blood has been historically used as a binder for mortar. So it's funny to think that a space age technology, as Dr. points out, is actually getting inspired from medieval technology. Now, that was way back in 2021. Blood, maybe not the best material, and didn't really gain much traction for obvious reasons. So of course, what else could the researchers turn to for their next idea? So they had astrocrete, which was made of blood, and then they'd made up starcrete. And this is what they've recently published in Opa Engineering. Now, starcrete is incredibly strong, 72 megapaxels in strength. And if you make it out of moon regolith, that's even stronger, around 91 megapaxels. Keeping in mind that the original astrocrete they made was around 25, or standard conventional concrete strength. This is substantially way more impressive. And of course, it didn't rely on blood. So what did they turn to instead? Now the thing is, when we get to Mars or the moon, we're probably gonna to need to feed the people that are there. And one of the things that researchers have looked at is probably growing some form of starch, like potatoes, because they're pretty hardy and can be grown easily, relatively speaking, and that makes a really strong starch. Now, the benefit of a starch is if you mix that potato starch with the Martian soil and a pinch of salt, you can make a very impressive construction material. One that doesn't rely on blood, sweat, and tears like the previous version. Now, of course, if you're using a starch like this, you don't need a lot of intermediary steps or processing. You can actually refine it pretty simply, and you just need a 25 kilogram sack of dehydrated potatoes, crisps if you want to imagine it that way, could contain enough starch to produce almost a half a ton of starcrete. If you turn that into, say, bricks, it's around 213 bricks. That's not a lot because a standard three-bedroom house would be around 7,500 bricks. But it's not too bad when you think about it because 25 kilos gets you roughly 2% of material, concrete, starcrete in this case, that you would need to construct bricks to make a house. That's 2% of a house from only 25 kg. It's a pretty good power-to-weight ratio when you compare it to, well, a lot of other traditional techniques of sending huge amounts of brick or steel. Now, not as good, for sure, as an inflatable structure, but still a very impressive feat, which would provide a lot of benefits like radiation dampening and others. Now, this is pretty amazing to think about, but if you added salt to that, they found common magnesium chloride, which you can get on the Martian surface, or again from the tears of astronauts, and these researchers seem really obsessed with squeezing as much as literally possible as they can out of the crew. Well, in this case, they found they could also significantly improve the strength of the starcrete. That extra salt acts as a bit, an aid to the binder in the starch. Now, this is all fun to think about in some kind of crazy world where they're 
trying to build a structure on another planet with hard graft, potato chips, and blood, sweat, and tears. But it could actually have pretty reasonable implications here on Earth, because cement and concrete are a significant CO2 emitter. They're about 8% of global emissions, just because of the high firing temperatures and huge amounts of energy that are required. Now, these different forms of concrete, starcrete, astrocrete, they can be made at relatively low temperatures, something that you could even make in a home baking type scenario. If you can remove some of the high heat, high energy requirements of producing concrete, this is actually a pretty amazing thing for our global CO2 emissions. It doesn't eliminate them, for sure, but it certainly means less energy is required. So while we're talking about high in the sky sci-fi ideas for producing concrete on the Mars or Moon, well, we can also use that idea and bring it back down to Earth. Some fun research being conducted by Aled Roberts and Nigel Scruton, published in the journal Open Engineering. an example of taking literally everything that you can from a person. But this approach is also useful when thinking about a circular economy. Space travel, you have to be so thoughtful and careful with everything that you produce, every waste byproduct, and try to find a way to maximize its output. You can't just simply throw stuff away and forget it because you've brought it all away with you. So you've got to make it work for you as much as possible. And this idea can certainly be applied back down here on Earth in the kind of circular economy thinking. How can we use waste byproducts to help enhance other parts of our industrial processes? How can we enhance the way we treat waste byproducts to maybe yield some kind of beneficial result? That's what researchers from RMIT University, like water engineer Dr. Biplob Pramanik, have been investigating. Because there is a lot of waste byproducts and a lot of waste water. Now, if we can have a kind of zero-waste approach, this is really good, as I just talked about, for the idea of circular economy. Now, there's a big wasteful process that's to make concrete. We talked about that earlier, how it's a big emitter. And the thing is, a lot of concrete has steel also added into it. Now, one of the reasons why we add steel into it is because it reinforces the concrete in tension. Concrete is great in compression, weak in tension. The combination of these two things make for an incredibly strong structure if you use them together. But the actual steel industry and concrete industry are incredibly thermally energy intensive, which means you produce a lot of CO2 emissions. But you also get a lot of waste. For example, the global steel making industry produces around 130 million tons of steel slag. This is a byproduct, basically leftovers from the smelting of the steel. Now, a lot of steel slag already gets fed into concrete, but you can do more with it because, well, this waste steel from the forges, a slag, can be used in a lot of different ways. And that's what Pramanik was investigating. Of course, it's not easy. There's a lot of technical challenges to recover as much as possible. But with a bit of research, you can get some interesting results, which is what was published in the journal Resources Conservation and Recycling. Now, one of the things is that the chemicals properties that you want, you end up with in slag, in this leftover steel, 
these have sometimes have some useful chemical properties to make steel and concrete stronger. But, well, if you want to make that be even better, they found that if you expose that slag steel, this waste steel, to waste water, that is actually sewage effluent or leftover water from a treatment plant, a sewage treatment plant, well, it actually somehow enhances the performance of the slag, the steel, the waste steel, when it's used in concrete. There are normally things that we actually want to take out of water, when wastewater that is, when we treat it. But actually, it's really useful if those things end up into the concrete. So it's a natural fit. You use the wastewater, you expose that to your leftover steel, your waste steel, and then you take that waste steel and fold it into the concrete. The end result of this is not only do you get rid of a bit of that waste water, you get rid of that leftover waste steel, but you end up at the end result of it with it actually a stronger concrete as the end. Now, using steel slag at the moment in wastewater treatment industry is not really widespread. I mean, there's a couple of places. New Zealand, for example, does use this as part of its waste byproduct treatment approach. But it's an example of that Dr. Pramanik points out of a way of using lots of different processes, waste processes, wastewater, steel waste, and concrete waste to end make a stronger material by making sure that steel slag can absorb contaminants like phosphate, magnesium, iron, calcium, silicon, aluminium out of the water, out of that wastewater, and then put that, all of those actual absorbed elements into the concrete where it boosts the strength of the concrete itself. This is an innovative idea of thinking, like we talked about earlier with using blood, sweat, and tears, literally everything you have on hand, and finding a way to make it work the most it can for you. This, of course, is difficult. You're now combining three very different production industries. But there is something to be gained by this thinking. And it shows you that the benefits of waste can be beyond just simply recycling glass and turning it into glass again, or recycling a plastic bottle and turning it into infill in a road. There are ways we can use these waste byproducts to transform the products that we actually have in different industries entirely. This research was published in the journal Resources Conservation and Recycling with lead author on Pickle in this paper, Rajiv Roshan, under the direction of Dr. Pipla Pramanik. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. Using human blood, sweat, and tears to make concrete on Moon or Mars, plus ways to make concrete stronger here on Earth by using byproducts, waste byproducts, that is, from other industries. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia. <laughs>